G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. I also felt like I was failing and was in my Christian walk. I'd kind of lived this life of um, being so involved in the youth group and and you know you're preaching to kids and telling them that you know you're made in God's image and that you're perfect in his eyes and and to look after your body and you're beautiful no matter what size you are and I wasn't living that out in my own life and I felt like a real hypocrite. I felt like I'd let God down. I felt like I had let a lot of people down. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, have you ever wondered what goes on inside the mind of someone struggling with an eating disorder? Today, we're going to hear an insider account of just what it was like for Jess Quinney, who says she was living in a constant state of denial about her problem. We'll find out how God eventually opened her eyes as she has a chat with Shelley Scowen, who was on holiday in New Zealand when this was recorded in Jess's home. As a kid for you, life was pretty awesome, hey? You, you're, you're a twin, you have a great sister, you had a great family. Yeah, no, it was awesome. My parents were amazing and my brother and sister were just fantastic. We had a really, really good childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were excelling at school, doing great things. You, you even did a speech on eating disorders? Yeah, so school was fantastic and uh, really thrived. And yeah, my, um, my final year of college, I was doing a speech won a speech award for um, my speech on eating disorders. Absolutely, completely interested me how women could get caught up in it. Mm. Um, never thought I would be one who um, could develop an eating disorder. Because for an outsider looking in, you just go, why would you? Like, isn't yeah. that silly? Why, yeah. why would you do it? Yeah. And then you were one of those very people that... Definitely. Yeah. I just, you know, I always thought people who with eating disorders were people who struggled with image issues or... You know, people who, um, yeah, struggle with their weight, but I never thought it could be, you know, a control issue or mm. an area they were struggling with with their mind. Yeah. And then it was you a few yeah. years later. Yeah. So h- how did it all begin for you? Yeah. So my um, super close family, absolutely so close and beautiful, loving Christian family. And my dad had really bad depression. And as a teenager, that was really hard to see. And he became quite suicidal. And in fact, he tried to take his life and it was unsuccessful. And so he was actually in a coma in hospital for quite a while. And that completely shook me as a teenager. Mm. And it kind of put me in an emotional um, state. And I was actually sitting my final exams at the time at college and really wanting to excel at that. And so it, through the stress of it all, I just kind of stopped eating. Um, I just couldn't stomach food. So it wasn't anything of an issue then and I just couldn't stomach food and I just felt physically sick worrying about my dad and worrying about my exams and I had a silly boyfriend at the time that I was worrying about too and it just kind of the stress of it took its toll and I just kind of stopped eating and then I lost a lot of weight and and actually got a lot of attention from it it was like oh you look so good and I kind of thought oh what did I look like before? Wow. And um, and so I so just... that right there is a bad thing in society, isn't it? You know, someone yeah. loses weight. Oh, don't you look great? Especially for a 17-year-old, yeah. you know. It was kind of like, oh, you know, you want to look nice. 
and I started getting a little bit more attention from boys. And but it's not like you were overweight to begin. No, with. I definitely no. wasn't. You know, a normal size twelve girl. You know, yeah. nothing. You know, there wasn't anything that I needed. I didn't need to lose weight. Yeah. And yet, I got so much attention um, from losing weight, and so I became a little bit addicted to it. I thought, well, if I didn't look good beforehand and I look good now, then maybe I just need to to eat how I'm eating now, which is not much. Mm. And then I just lost more and more weight, and and as things with my dad got worse, I stopped, you know, completely eating altogether. And then he got better, but I didn't. I kind of continued to go down this path of of um, losing more and more weight. To the point where it just became really dangerous, wow. and in the process, so were you eating at all? Like you said, you know, yeah, very little. Time. I think I became a really aware at that point what um, super healthy food was. So I was pretty right. much eating like um, salads for lunch, and you know, no carbohydrates. And I just became quite um, very few calories. Yeah, very very few cl- calories. Yeah, quite addicted to counting calories, actually. So mm. you, I knew how much I should be having and having well under the daily requirement. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you obviously can't keep that up for too long before your body starts no. to shut down. Yeah, so it was um, two years at this point and had lost uh, nearly uh, nearly 30 kgs I'd lost. Wow. Um, got down to 37.5 kgs. Um, dangerously thin. Um, yeah. I normally sit around 65 kgs at my healthy weight. So, What did you see when you looked in the mirror? I saw me. I saw a 65 kg girl. I did not ever see someone who was skinny. I never saw that. And I would look at my twin sister and try her clothes on. And in my mind, I thought, why can't I fit these pants? Because in my head, she was the image of, of beauty. And mm. she was what I thought I looked like. And so it was crazy for me looking at my clothes and, and wondering why they were so much smaller than hers because I thought I was still the same size as her. And yet I was um, dangerously, dangerously thin. It's just, it's a strange just blindness, deception. Absolutely. That happens, hey, isn't it? Yeah. Like you, I had no idea how, how bad it had gone to. Yeah. Just, I could not recognize the person in the mirror at all. And also, I had just become so um, introverted. I I just stopped going to church. I stopped socialising with people. I just became someone who was so consumed with this eating disorder. Like I was fearful, which is the opposite of you now. Yeah, you were like I'm like so extreme extrovert. Yeah, I, like I was worried that I'd go to a social setting and there'd be food there. Yeah, I was worried that I'd be watched eating. I was worried I'd be watched even having a coffee. I kind of had this thought that people um, were just wanting me to get fat. It was really weird. I became quite, um, yeah, I guess I just, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess I became paranoid. I was paranoid that I'd go somewhere and people, you know, would just, it was really weird. So I just totally withdrew, just pretty much lived in my bedroom and, um, and studied and were you aware that you had an eating disorder at this point? No, I never did. I, I knew that I was obviously thinking about it. It consumed my thinking. Yeah. But you... I never once thought, no. I mean, no. I remember my parents taking me to the doctor the first time. And the doctor just talking to me about nutrition and the importance of eating. And at that point, it wasn't taken seriously at all. It was just, okay, well, she's lost a lot of weight. And, and, not, and just thinking, oh, this is just a lot of you know, rubbish. I'm fine. You know, I'm just a teenage girl who's lost weight and 
I don't know what my parents are going on about. And then I was taken to a counselor and I remember thinking, I've got nothing to talk to you about. You know, I've got a great life. Um, I'm, you know, apart from my dad, I'm not worried about anything, you know. And you felt like you were eating well because you were eating all your healthy salads. Yeah, I didn't think I had an issue. And as time went on um, and my parents started force feeding me and, you know, and doctors getting involved, I never once thought it was me that, that had the issue. I thought it was them. And wow. I, I kind of started to um, act up a little bit. You know, I was, you know, not really happy with my mum for for insisting that I eat. And There's I would something throw food across yeah. the table, like, out of protest. Like, I'm not eating that. Um, yeah. So I never once thought it was me that had the issue. Yeah. I couldn't see it. It completely was completely deceived. I just didn't yeah. believe that I had an issue at all. Wow. You got down to 37 and a half kilograms. Yeah. Dangerously thin. And it took a long time for you to actually realize that there was actually a problem with you. Yeah. At what point did you realize, oh, there's something wrong. I need to do something. Yeah. So I became really sick. And when I did eat the little that I was eating, I would just feel incredibly, incredibly sick afterwards. Um, to the point where I was just curled in a ball. Uh, I just remember the exceptional amount of pain in my tummy um, and on times vomiting because of it. It was just, you know, and and it was just a little bit, you know, eating a sandwich or eating something little. It was just the pain would just be quite phenomenal. So I... um, So then you knew that there was something medically wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain. So I went to the doctor and they basically said, look, Jess, you've lost so much weight and we've been trying to help you with these special diets and um and help you put on weight but you have to you have to do the work you have to actually eat this food and you actually have to you know help yourself um and so at that point you know it did get me thinking I kind of thought well maybe I do have an eating disorder you know maybe I maybe they're right you know and I I started this journey of of thinking you know maybe they're right but I also kind of didn't know if I wanted wanted help as well. It was kind of this odd, am I going to let this addiction of losing weight go and put my trust in the doctors that are telling me this? Which is difficult because you had been such a high achiever your whole life and yeah. you could do anything. If yeah. you just put your mind to it, you, you were in charge. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you were kind of failing at your own health. Yeah. And I think what I also felt like I was failing in was in my Christian walk, I'd kind of lived this life of um being so involved in the youth group and and you know you're preaching to kids and telling them that you know you're made in god's image and that you're perfect in his eyes and um and to look after your body and you're beautiful no matter what size you are and i wasn't living that out in my own life Mm. and i felt like a real hypocrite i felt like i'd let god down i felt like i had let a lot of people down um i felt like i was disappointing my parents i felt like i was disappointing my sister i felt like i was just letting a whole lot of people down Mm. and so um because you knew that they were worried about you. They were. like, And I could see that. And I saw the stress it was putting on my parents. Mm. Um, and I also saw the, um, the divide that I was putting between um, my parents and I. You know, um, not wanting really a relationship with them during this time. Yeah. Because um, I was trying to protect this eating disorder, I guess. You know, I wasn't willing to listen to them and, and to have their help. Um, I kind of rejected any help that was offered to me um so at this point I thought you know I need help you know I do I need I need something to help me Uh, medically um there was nothing more um they could do I just had to start you know Eating. eating 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowan is in New Zealand, sitting down with Jess Quinney and having a chat about her journey with anorexia. We'll find out how Jess finally gets victory in this area of her life when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowan in New Zealand, sitting down and having a chat with Jess Quinney about her journey with anorexia. Before the break, we heard how she was told that she would finally be able to get better if she would simply begin to eat. However, that wasn't as easy as it sounds for someone struggling with an eating disorder. You know, it sounds so easy, but when you're in that mind frame... It's so scary. To eat was scary. It was it was actually tormenting to eat. Um, my mind just, it was crazy. I felt like something really bad was going to happen. You were saying that it hurt you as well after you ate. Yeah, it was physically, with, yeah. yeah. So that's even less incentive to eat as well. Yeah. I mean, the pain yeah. of it physically was nothing compared to the pain mentally. Mentally, yeah. Um, that was, yeah. You know, I just felt like crying every time I ate. Even something little like a carrot, I just felt like crying, like I was letting my mind or my body down. Um, so it, was, it just felt like it felt like an uphill battle, like it really did. Um, but that's when I kind of started this journey of reconciliation with God again. Like I thought, you know, maybe I, what I was saying to the youth was right. Maybe w- what I was learning at church was right, that God really did love me for a for who I was and how he created me, that I was made in his image. And, um, you know, and so I started to investigate that more. And I um, went to a church service with my mom. I remember so clearly because I held her hand the entire service, being so open to receiving him and thinking maybe my healing could come from God, but not being too sure either, still being on the fence of, am I ready for this or am I not? And yeah. so that service, I remember giving my life back to God, um, not publicly, but internally. Um, and that kind of started the journey for me. And as I retreated back to my room, you know, nothing changed. I still had this eating disorder, but I slowly started to read God's word and kind of started to feel a little bit alive again. So not physically, like nothing changed. Like I still very much had this eating disorder, but I started to feel like there was hope, which I hadn't felt for a long time. And... I got a phone call one day from a lady who went to the church I was going to, but I didn't know who. And she said that she'd been praying for me for two years, which blew me away, really. Uh, yeah. Um, and she gave me this scripture, um, which was Isaiah 52, 1 to 2. And at the time, I didn't really um, think anything of it. I just said thank you um, to her for reading that to me and kind of put the phone down. And then it was a couple of weeks later... Um, I got sent to me in the mail um, from one of mum's Christian friends a book Uh, and inside the book she had highlighted the scripture um, which again was Isaiah 52 1 to 2 and I thought it was just uncanny that it was the The same same scripture Um, 
but I was a little bit paranoid too. Like, had these guys been talking? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, could this truly be? Because your mum was so worried. She was probably hooking it up. Exactly. With and that's what I was kind of thinking. But the mum assured me that no, like, she didn't have a part, a part in this. Yeah. Do you want to read those couple of minutes? Yeah, yeah. So it says, Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Mm. And at the time, I read it, but I didn't really read it. And um, my mum actually woke me up one night. She had had this dream that I was completely healed and um, and it just um, it really spoke to me because my mum just always had my back and she she started to claim this scripture over my life and the more I read it I realised that I was the captive daughter of Zion and I was captive to this eating disorder mm. and you know that God actually wanted me free and that he was going to be the one to set me free and I just started to, to claim it over my life. And um, one night I went out with a friend and he, was, um, he wasn't a Christian. And he took me out for a drive. It was early hours of the morning at this stage. And we were just going out for a drive with some of his friends. And he'd got out the car and we were listening to the radio. And um, while I was in the driver, the passenger seat, um, on the radio, a caller had rung in with... Um, on you know secular radio it wasn't a Christian radio station really? saying that she had a scripture for someone and it was Isaiah 52 1 to 2 no way yeah. and I remember just bawling my eyes out in this car thinking God's totally chasing after me and I just yeah. have to be open to receiving him and I remember saying does it get any more clear than that I'm yeah like, for me and that was I look back and I think that was the moment I knew like I was going to be healed and I was going to be set free of this thing that completely had um taken me captive for three years you know like I completely knew at that moment like you know and so I just put my trust in him and I put my trust in my mom and my my dad who had always had my back but I just couldn't see it and trusting that even though at this moment I'm blind like I'm gonna realize that they can see can see it all yeah and yeah so I began this journey of of eating and trusting and um and um and realizing that I can do this you know like I we can do this we can get through this awful patch and it was um it was New Year's Day and I remember that so clearly it was the new year and I just thought, this is my year. Like, this is the year where I hold on to God's promises and, and we're going to get set free. And I remember sitting down for breakfast with my parents and it was the first time that I ate and did not experience that exceptional amount of pain. Wow. And I remember thinking, it was, the, you know, this is this is it, you okay. know? Yeah. And um, slowly but surely, I just started putting on weight. But not only that, I guess it didn't bother me. Like, it didn't bother me and I didn't feel scared anymore. It took me a couple of years to really feel like I was completely free um, and to feel like I was completely healed mm. um, and feel like I had the confidence to to share my testimony and to actually start to help others in the same situation or to give at least a little bit of hope to other yeah. people. But um, to see what God God took me through, I look back and I I look at this scripture and like I it does bring me to tears because I don't I, I just remember feeling so captive and so you know chained mm. to it but 
But you are also a daughter of Zion as well. Yeah, and that's it. You're a daughter of the king. Yeah, you know, like he says, like, free yourself from the chains on your neck. And that's it. Like, you have to do the work. You can't just wait for it to miraculously, like, happen. You know, like, you have to. free yourself. Yeah, you've got to. And and he was right there, like, you know, and giving me hope and realizing that you can do it, you know, with him. You can do anything. And, like, I can honestly say, like, I look in the mirror now and, like any girl, you can always see lumps and bumps and things that can change. But I can honestly say, especially like, now that you've got two little kids, absolutely, as well. you yeah. know. And I can honestly say, though, like I am made in His image, you know. And that's such a freeing thing, yeah. You know, having gone through it, such a bad bout of anorexia, like I can actually say, like I am made in His image, and mm. you know. And that's the other thing, you know, when I had an eating disorder, you know, they said like you may never be able to have children, and so for me, that was a huge thing, you yeah. know, a huge breakthrough. Um, to have kids, you know, yeah. after that. And using your body for what God created it for. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's bringing glory to, to him, him to have those yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. What a great testimony. And like we were saying, you know, life has moved on so much for you. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. There, there totally is hope. But I think even just having this conversation has been interesting to, for you to just remember what God has done in your life. What about people that are still in the midst of it, though? What would you say to those people and those around them? You know, what hope can you give? I guess, you know, what is so hard is when someone is going through this, they are not able to see. And I think more than anything, they just need your love. You know, I remember the people who made the most impact for me wasn't trying to give me words of advice. They just literally lavished me with love. And unconditional love. It wasn't on the condition that you put on weight or, you know, they were the you friends that... You eat this and then I'll spend time with yeah, you. Yeah, they were the friends that understood... <laughs> no, they didn't understand, but they were still there. And they realized that my safe place was at home. And so they made the effort to come visit. And yeah, I really, you know, I just think that it was it was those times where people just came out and blessed me with their time and love. And I just knew that I was you know, unconditionally loved by them. Mm. But not only that, I think that lady that said to me, I've been praying for you for two years. Like, amazing, you know, to think that someone had taken the time to pray for me for two years, that she had hope for me, Mm. even when I didn't. You know, and to, to hope for people, I think is really important. And to actually sacrifice time to pray. You know, I often think, would I have been healed if it wasn't for that prayer warrior? You know, was, yeah. would I have actually come to this point where I am in my life right now if it wasn't for her and her prayers? Like, I often do wonder. Yeah. So I think just pray, you know, be there for people, love them, give them grace, give them patience. You know, it took me three years to even acknowledge that I had an issue. You know, be patient with people and mm. just love them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. What about parents? of girls it's usually girls there are a few boys that struggle with eating disorders yeah. most of the time it is girls you're a parent now yourself yeah you, know, you can only imagine yeah. how much it must have been cutting your parents up inside yeah like my heart just truly does go out to every every mum and dad out there who is experiencing this right now like I just I want to give you a massive hug I just I remember my mom and my dad and how much pressure um, and stress that it put on them to see me being so sick Mm. Um, Your dad also struggling with his dad, own depression. Yeah, as well. and you know, I'd never seen my dad cry ever. That he cried, you know, when um, when I got ill, you know, he cried. And I think 
that says a lot about a parent's heart. You know, we don't want to see our kids in pain. We don't want to see them sick. Yeah. Um, so my heart really does go out to them. And I just, you know, I just want to give you guys hope that, you know, God is bigger than any, any eating disorder. And um, there is hope. And just a hope for your children. Don't ever cease praying. Just pray, you know. Pray for them. Be there for them. Love them unconditionally. And, yeah, you know, patience, love, you know, grace. A lot of grace needed yeah. in this area. Yeah. yeah. Can we read those Bible verses again? Those yeah. ones that, that God just chased you down with? I think that would be a nice way to finish our time together. Isaiah 52 verses 1 and 2. Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. That's your verses. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much, Jess, for giving us a bit of an insight into your journey over the last few years. That was Shelley Scowan having a chat with Jess Quinney about her journey with anorexia. It was recorded in Jess's home while Shelley was on holiday in New Zealand and it was fascinating to hear just what it was like to be captive to an eating disorder and it was also great to hear how God was able to break the chains in a remarkable way. As Jess said, God was chasing after me. And that's a comfortable thought, that God is chasing after all of us and wants to help us overcome anything that is holding us captive. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in in him. If you'd like someone to pray about any struggles in your life, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Jess's incredible story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I just spoke to the manager and I said, I need a loan. We said, what do you want a loan for? I said, well, I've got to build a house. I'm going to start a church. So he said, tell me about that. So I told him that we, my wife and I and young family felt the call of God on us. This is something we had to do that he was going to provide for us. And he looked at me with the strangest look. He said, look, I tell you what, I'll give you a loan based on the income you've just sacrificed. David Schaefer has unintentionally become somewhat of an expert on grief after several tragedies occurred in his life. He is the author of the book Grieve Upwards, One Man's Journey Through the Valley, and we'll hear his story next time. The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 